Today's Bible reading comes from John 15, verses 18 till chapter um, 16, verse 5a. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, All right, let's pray and then we'll have a look at God's word. Uh, Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the way that you reveal yourself to us. Uh, Yeah, there's no bait and switch in your story that you uh, lay out to us the truth of what we are to expect. And as we grapple with it this morning, uh, just, yeah, please give us a calm heart. Uh, Give us open eyes to hear what you uh, see we have to say and transform us so that we're able to live uh, beautiful and Christ-focused lives in a world that may not like what they see. Amen. So that was Kieran, Kieran Kabelke. He's got a good name. He also has a good job. So Kieran has my old job, teaching scripture at Balgala Boys High. Uh, And and today's passage is talking about being hated. And I don't know if you've ever been hated before. Believe it or not, some people have actually hated me. I know, it's pretty hard to, uh, to understand. I once got told by someone that I was, just, I was just way too arrogant. I was shocked by that. Maybe you're not, I don't know. Um, the fact that no one laughed when I first said it. Um, all right. Um, sorry, everyone. Uh, but uh, but when, I was at, when I was teaching at the school, I loved it. It was eight years teaching scripture. Um, but there were some kids who just, just by the very fact that I was there teaching Jesus, automatically hated me. They just didn't want a bar of it, you know? They, they just weren't interested at all. And so for someone like me, I, you probably noticed I like being liked. Uh, that was really hard, right? Uh, and, and Kieran mentioned it on there as well. Like some people just take that opportunity to, uh, to just, just tell you uh, that what you believe is rubbish, uh, that you're an idiot for believing and trusting in what you do. Uh, we're very thankful, like Travis said earlier, for where we live. I was yeah, I was teaching at a school with 800 kids and no one ever pulled a gun on me. No one ever 
like really attacked me or abused me in any sort of way. But, but the hatred still sort of sits with you, doesn't it? Uh, and, and you may have experienced some sort of hatred or animosity uh, because of your faith. Uh, I was talking with Graham Edwards the other day. He's not here this morning, but Graham Edwards, on a side note, has a goal to get mentioned in someone's sermon or to get mentioned in someone's book if they're writing a book. And he said that in the office, and I'm like, well, this is easy, Graham. It's about people who hate you, so I'm sure I'll be able to give you a mention. Um, uh, and you all laugh because if you know Graham, you'd... That's not true, but he told me the story. He's like, I actually have a story for this. And he said that um, in Trieste, in Italy, for those of you who don't know, Graham is a missionary in Italy, uh, uh, and, and he introduced himself to someone one day. He shook his hand. He said, hi, my name's Graham. They're like, oh, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm from Australia, and I'm planting an evangelical church uh, in the neighborhood. And the man's response was, oh, you're the guy that everyone hates. Right? They don't, they don't miss, mix, uh, mince their words there uh, in Italy, right? You're the guy that everyone hates. That was a shock. If you know Graham, like, how could you hate Graham? He's the nicest dude you've ever met, right? Um, you'd, find it, uh, yeah, you'd find it amusing that someone would say that, not because it's amusing that someone would hate him, but it's laughable that anyone would hate someone as nice as Graham. We're shocked, but really, after reading today's passage, we shouldn't be, right? John 15, 19, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. People hate me. Can you believe it? Probably. But people hate Graham Edwards, and, and things like that are hard to understand, but we have been chosen out of the world. We've been, we've been drawn out by Jesus. Jesus' disciples are to expect hatred and opposition, not just towards their beliefs, but even to them personally, Right? This is what today's passage deals with. Uh, but before we dig in, I'll give you a bit of context. This passage we're looking at, uh, same with the passages we've been looking at for the last several weeks, a part of John's upper room discourse. Jesus is teaching and preparing his disciples on the night before he died. And so far we've seen things like this. We've had, we've had the Last Supper. He's washed his disciples' feet. Uh, he's comforted them by promising that he'll send the Holy Spirit uh, he he comfort, comforts them by saying that he's preparing a place in the Father's house for them. Uh, he comforts them by telling them that he's going to send the Spirit to continue his work. And he's also been encouraging them to, to love one another, uh, to stick close to him, and to be on a mission in the world. And now in today's passage, Jesus is preparing them for the context in which their mission's going to take place. A hostile world. A world that hated Jesus. And a world that will hate those that he has chosen out of this world. That's our world, right? That's our world. We live in what people call a post-Christian society. It's a society that was once based on and embracing Christian norms and then has moved to sort of nominalism and then scepticism and now hostility in some cases towards the Christian message and even Christians. And whilst this might seem a shock for many people that, the, that, our, that our context is, is now like this, uh, it should be what we're expecting, right? And in fact, the church in the Western world has enjoyed favour for the last several centuries, but that favour is the exception to the rule. Uh, and I say Western church because, as we'll discover later, uh, what we experience here is nothing like that of the, our brothers and sisters in the rest of the world. The persecution, the hatred, the opposition that we speak of here in Australia is, is nothing like our brother and sister, brothers and sisters around the world. 
We, we understand that the age of Christendom, if you want to use that word, is ending. Well, it's ended, right? And we're moving into a time here in, in Australia that reflects Jesus' promise from this passage. And we need to be prepared. And today's passage is going to prepare us for that, right? Uh, it's going to answer this question. Uh, how do we live in a world that's hostile towards Christians? How do we live in a world that's hostile towards Christians? So we're going to break it down into three parts. Uh, firstly, the passage is going to help us understand the reasons for the hostility. Right? We'll understand the reasons for the hostility. Uh, and then the passage is going to show us how we are to respond when we're met with hostility. And then thirdly, we're going to use uh, what we've learned from this passage to help us pray for one another and for our brothers and sisters around the world. So let's start first by understanding the reasons uh, for, our host- for the hostility that's shown towards us, right? I just want to uh, give a little caveat first. And I think this is important for, for people who, uh, I don't know, presupposed to al- being alarmists, right? Because uh, despite such calls recently, I think that Christians, uh, the idea that Christians are being persecuted in Australia, it's a bit premature. Uh, when we compare an athlete losing his job for an ill-informed tweet with children in Sri Lanka being shot in Sunday school, we should realise that we need to be respectful about the way we talk about our persecution, right? I think that's a big deal, to be thoughtful and careful about the way we talk about the way uh, we're being persecuted in Australia or that we're losing our rights or freedom of speech. What we are experiencing in Australia now and beginning to experience, as I've already said, is what we should expect. It's what we should expect. Why? Well, Jesus told us from the outset. Uh, But it's still mild. And in a lot of cases, it's a product of the church in Australian society not wielding the power and influence we've had for the last 200 years in a positive way. Maybe we could say some of the persecution or hatred is a little bit deserved for the way we haven't uh, loved people and shown them the love of Christ the way we should have, right? And so with that said... Uh, let's look into Jesus' words to help us understand the reason for the hostility that's shown all around the world, but, but also in, in some ways to us as well. And it's in verses 18 uh, to 25. I'm going to read those verses again. Uh, chapter 15, 18 to 25. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their uh, their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Let's follow through these verses, right? And we'll list some of the reasons that Jesus gives for the hatred that the world might show against Christians. And the first one's this. You don't belong to the world. You don't belong to the world. You're different as a Christian. And as humanity proves time and time again, we don't like things or people that are different than us, and our our automatic response is to be at war with them. Uh, We see it, whether it's race or religion or anything else, and we see it here. We are different, and therefore, the world's not going to like us. Uh, The world can't deal with difference. 
And so we shouldn't really be surprised. But another, another reason for the hatred is that you're being like Jesus. You're following in the footsteps of your master, right? They hated him first, and so they're going to hate us as well. Another reason, the world doesn't know God. They don't know him. They don't understand him. They don't grasp what we grasp about God. They're going to have a different opinion from us. But also, uh, the reason why it's happening is because it's a fulfillment of an ancient prophecy. Think about this. It's a fulfillment of an ancient prophecy. Uh, Psalm 69 verse 4, this is a psalm seen as pointing towards Jesus, says this, Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs on my head. Many are my enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. And this is a reminder that the persecution isn't a surprise to God, right? He's in control of it. Uh, He's not surprised by it. This persecution of Jesus and the persecution of his people uh, is known to God. And it's under his control. And so instead of freaking out about the way that we're losing religious freedom or the way we're being treated, uh, we, we we can be sad about that, but we should still also take heart knowing that we're exactly where God planned for us to be. He's not shocked. He's not like, oh, no, look at where everything's descended into. He knows that this is going to happen. And Jesus, the night before he died, prepared his disciples for this exact thing. I think we can also add into, add into this uh, chapter 16, verse 4. Uh, Jesus says, I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. Uh, we're not to be surprised. Uh, we're not to be surprised with anything that happens. We can't be shocked. We can't be confused. Jesus has laid it out for us. Uh, we've lived in a period of time that's been very comfortable and very easy for Christians, and we thank God for, that, um, for his grace in that. But we can't be surprised or expect anything else when persecution and hardship come our way. All right, so with all this in mind, uh, if the world hates us, we can make these three applications. The first one is this. We can find encouragement when we're persecuted. It's hard to, hard to understand, but we can find encouragement when we're persecuted. Why? Well, because when we're hated for being like Jesus, we know you're living right as a Christian. You know you're doing it well. Uh, We're representing and displaying our faith with clarity. If you have a look in the book of Acts, Christians are getting bashed and killed and imprisoned all the time. But in Acts chapter 5, you see the apostles arrested and they're beaten just for preaching the gospel, right? And when they're finally uh, released, we hear this astounding statement. Acts 5 verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They left the Sanhedrin where they've just been wrongly imprisoned and beaten. And it's not like a slap across the face. This is like whips and rods and bad stuff. They left rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for their name. Why are they rejoicing? Well, they're like, Jesus told us to go into the world and preach the gospel. Jesus told us that when we do that, we'll be persecuted. We're being persecuted. I think we're doing it right. They were rejoicing. I don't know if that's your attitude. It's I wish I could say it's mine, but it is a good reminder to us that we are doing it right. We are walking in line with Jesus uh, when people are persecuting us. More on that in a moment. Because Jesus says, here's a second application, Jesus says that we are hated for being like him, not for being careless or cavalier. And this is really important, right? This is really important. People might hate you because you're an idiot, 
And, and you can't say, oh, well, Jesus said I'd be hated. That, that doesn't count, right? Uh, people might hate you because you're mean-spirited and cruel. And you can't say, oh, Jesus warned us of this. No, no, you're hated for when you are living like Jesus. And this is super important, especially in this day and age. Uh, if you're shot for praying to Jesus, that's persecution. If you're arrested for standing up uh, for the rights of the vulnerable, that's persecution. If you get punched in the face for holding up an inflammatory poster with a Bible verse on it, that's just what you deserve, right? Uh, I hate to be so blunt about this, but we can't blame uh, hatred on us if it's, if it's just cavalier and silly on what Jesus says here. Uh, and so when we are persecuted, uh, if we're getting a hard time for our faith, we need to ask, why? Is it because I'm clearly presenting the gospel and people don't like that? And if that's true keep going, embrace the hatred, and keep preaching that truth, right? But ask the question, am I making the gospel more offensive than it has to be? Am I presenting the truth of Jesus with grace? We'll talk more about this uh, a little bit later. So the third reflection, find encouragement. Uh, Remember, you hated for being like Jesus. The third reflection is this. We need to ask ask questions of ourselves if we've never experienced opposition, We need to ask questions of ourselves if we've never experienced opposition. Jesus doesn't say that we'll always be hated all the time, right? Uh, for everything we do. There'll be, there'll be many things that we as Christians do uh, that the world will agree with. That the world will be like, great, I'm glad you did that. Plenty of things. So think, uh, they'll, they'll applaud when we care for the poor and the powerless. They'll, they'll applaud us and, and be glad for us when we give sacrificially and lovingly, when we care for our neighbour uh, and, and, and we act as good citizens. The world will be happy with that. They won't hate us for doing those things. And that's great. But we, we are reminded that the message of the gospel is offensive. Saying that Jesus is the only way to the Father is offensive. And so if you've never experienced opposition or hatred or, or even an awkward moment in a conversation, we need to ask, am I actually sharing the gospel? Have I actually ever spoken the truth of the gospel to these people? Big question to ask, hey. Uh, and, and our lifestyles may also cause offence. We may say no to getting drunk or we may save sex for marriage or we may stay away from gossip. We may not involve ourselves in certain... Uh, conversations and people might malign us or laugh at us for this. And if you've never been questioned about the way you live, if people haven't been shocked or offended by your lifestyle choices, you need to ask, am I actually living a Jesus-focused life? Or do I have any non-Christian friends? That's probably another question to ask. Anyone who would be shocked by the way I'm living. So we need to ask ourselves these questions. If we're, not being, if we're not, never being persecuted or people are never having a hard conversation with us or never shocked by our lives or our words, we need to ask, well, what am I doing? Because we can rejoice uh, when we're counted as worthy of receiving disgrace for his name. So these are the reasons, right? We understand our persecution. It's because we're like Jesus. Uh, and we, we can find encouragement and strength and peace in that, knowing that we're walking well with our saviour but now we've got these things in mind now that we know the reason for any hatred that might come our way what should our response be what should we do Uh, well before we answer that I want to tell you about two mistakes that Christians have historically made when facing persecution when facing hatred when facing difficulty historically Christians have made two uh, 
mistakes. The first one is this, to retreat into a holy huddle, right? To retreat into a holy huddle, to hide away. Maybe it's monasteries, and there's been some great work that monasteries have done over the years. The Belgian ones brew great beer, um, but, uh, and, and they've done other good things too. Uh, but but monast- monasteries aren't a bad thing. Uh, but, but sometimes we can, we can huddle away and we can hide from the world. We can build little houses up in treetops or up in caves or mountains and, and try to hide uh, and be invisible. Or we can even just zip it and just not say anything. Just pretend that you're like everyone else. Or we can just huddle together and just protect each other and say the big scary world's coming to get us, right? Or maybe out of fear you can become radicalized and you can get this us versus them attitude, Right? And you'll, and you'll get angry about the world and you'll want to battle them and you'll want to fight and you'll get on Facebook and you'll say, this is what Christians think. And, uh, and you'll wave placards and you'll, uh, and you'll want to go to war uh, with those who think differently from you. So that's the first mistake, that we can retreat into this holy huddle where we block everyone else out and we us first them. But the second mistake that Christians have historically made is, is just to leave your faith behind. Just to retreat, just to say, stuff this. It's too hard. Some leave it all together, walk away from the faith and build their life on something other than Jesus. But, but, but more often, many people just slide into a watered-down version of Christianity. They'll keep the bits and pieces that are popular in the world, uh, but they'll drop the other things like a call to faith or the truth that Jesus is the Son of God or things like that. You can either go into a holy huddle or just leave your faith behind. They're the two mistakes Christians have historically made. Uh, and this passage actually tells us to do the exact opposite. Instead of retreating, you have to testify, which means to speak forth uh, of what we've seen and heard. Right? And instead of quitting, we have to remain. Let's look at each of those. Instead of retreating, we have to testify. Uh, 15 verse 27 Sorry, we'll read 26 as well. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So he's saying, I'm leaving, the Spirit's coming, he's going to continue my work, you're going to be persecuted, but don't be like, oh, sick, I'll just hide in this room until the Spirit's finished his work. No, he says, you will also testify with the Spirit. Jesus says, don't hide away in your comfortable little bubble. Speak up, preach the gospel, proclaim boldly what you have seen and heard. Make it clear. But know that you don't do it on your own. You're doing it with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. This is God, right? God indwelling the believer. Uh, He's empowering us and he's giving us the words to say. So, So be encouraged and be excited by that. We're partnering with the God who created this universe, with the Spirit that that hovered above the earth before time, we're empowered with that very presence of God to do this work. But it's also worth worth noting, and and we get this uh, clearly throughout other parts of the Bible, that we need to proclaim our truth in a godly and gracious manner. It's all well and good being bold and saying, I'm just preaching my truth, I'm preaching my beliefs boldly, but we want to do it graciously and godly. Have a listen to what Peter says. Peter, one of the dudes who was sitting around this table with Jesus that night, 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. So be prepared, know it, love it, be prepared, but do this with gentleness and respect. 
It doesn't mean watering down your message and skirting around the issue, but it just means being decent and saying it lovingly. Grace and truth, as Jesus came and embodied beautifully, right? The grace and the truth of God is how we should be bringing our message across. It goes back to what we mentioned before. The gospel's offensive, but don't make it more offensive because of your words and actions. Don't be afraid to speak the truth, even if it is countercultural, but please, for the sake of the gospel, ask yourself, am I being kind? Am I saying this the right way, for the right reason, in the right context? Am I speaking the truth in love? Will this be helpful and beneficial for this person's walk towards Christ? It's hard. Uh, It's probably easier to hide it away and keep it quiet than try to balance this grace and truth thing, right? But when we truly grasp this message, we know that we need to speak it out. As Kieran said in the video earlier, if we, if, if we weren't here to show people the way to Jesus, even if we are persecuted, how will they experience that life-changing power of God? If it's not us, then who's going to do it? So instead of retreating, we are to testify, speak forth what we have seen and heard. And, and instead of quitting, we are to remain Look at 16 verse 1. Jesus says, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Jesus told us this so that we will not fall away, that we won't get to a point where we're persecuted or hated and think, what's going on? This is all fake. I'm I'm gone, right? Jesus is telling us, preparing us so we will not fall away. Everything Jesus said in this passage was to prepare his disciples. Don't be surprised when persecution hits. Take heart, knowing that God is still in control. This is prophesied. He sent his spirit to be with you and to sustain you. And so reflect on the words of Jesus in this passage. When you see the world changing around you, and you may not like what you see, uh, you may be tempted to stay quiet, you may be tempted to water down the truth or give up what you believe, remember Jesus' promises that this was going to happen, but the spirit's with you and you just got to keep on going. And don't fall away. Don't throw in the towel. Instead of retreating, we testify. Instead of quitting, we remain. That's the answer to it, isn't it? How do we live in a world that's hostile towards Christians? Well, it helps to grasp the reason for the hostility and the hatred. But then we continue to testify. And we continue to stay strong in our faith with Christ. And now with all this in mind, I want us to pray. I want us to spend time silently praying for ourselves in the face of persecution, but also for those around the world who are facing it a lot worse than what we are. Travis read one of them out earlier, and hopefully when you came in this morning, uh, you got a little prayer card. These are from the Open Doors prayer newsletter. Uh, it comes out uh, quarterly, I think. Uh, you can go on their website and, and get it. I've just uh, Katie just cut all these up into individual ones for us to, to pray for today. But I want, to spend you some, uh, I want you to spend some time right now. You can... You can pray as a family if you want, or with a friend around you. I'm, like, I'm happy for noise as we pray, but if you'd rather just think and, and, and pray to yourself, I want you to pray this for yourself. It's a bold prayer. It reminds me of, I was talking to Garnet um, once, and he, he told me that every morning he gets up and he prays, God, please give me an opportunity to share the gospel today, and please help me to prepare, uh, present it clearly. He prays that every day, and he says every day he has an opportunity to present the gospel. That's scary, right? Some days I don't want an opportunity to present the gospel. Um, but 
but if I force myself to pray that prayer every day, God will put those people and those opportunities in my life. And so let's pray this. Pray this for yourself. Holy Spirit, please help me to fearlessly preach the truth with wisdom, gentleness, and respect. And Father, please stop me from falling away. Pray that for yourself or the people that you gather with when you pray right now. And then uh, the prayer card that you have, I just want you to take time to read that and pray for that nation. Pray for the people mentioned in it. Uh, Offer them up to God, understanding that, yeah, we, we might be getting it a bit tougher than we have in the past, but these are the brothers and sisters uh, who need the Spirit to, to propel them forward just another day, to get off the backside to go to church, uh, to, to speak to that person that might slap them, uh, to, to be willing to lose their job for what they believe or, or even um, be killed. And so pray the same prayer for the people on your prayer card. I'll give us a few minutes to do that. Uh, Like I said, pray silently, pray in a group, uh, and then uh, Dave will get up and lead us in worship soon.